We want to welcome everyone to our morning service here at the Boonville Church of Christ. Thank you for being here, being part of our service today. Thank you for coming and worshiping the Lord with us today. We have a couple of things that we need to uh, announce before we begin our service today. First of all, it's uh, we are glad to welcome Adam and Samantha Carlson. Uh, they're sitting right over here. Uh, they are house parents at Pinevale, and they uh, have expressed an interest in being part of our congregation, and we want to welcome them today. We're glad they're here. Uh, in addition to that, several have asked the elders concerning how they can help the Bonham family. As you know, Sandy will be traveling to New York, spending several weeks in the hospital up there, uh, and uh, we have uh, set a box in the foyer that says for the Bottom family, if you would like to help them uh, financially, you can put a check or money in that box and it will go directly to them. Uh, if you make checks out to the church, uh, we will uh, deposit those and give them a check for whatever is put into the box out there. And it'll be out there for at least through Tuesday night. Uh, as you know, Tuesday night is our midweek service. As we come together in our time together to worship the Lord, let's begin in our service in prayer. Our Father, thank you for all of the many blessings that you give to us each day. Father, thank you for giving us the health and the strength to be here today to worship you. And we pray that as we go through this service, that it will be pleasing in your sight and that we can worship you and leave this place with a feeling of satisfaction that we have come together and engaged in a time of worship and in a time of fellowship and that we can grow stronger as Christians for having been here this morning. These things we ask through Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. <coughs> if you're singing from the book, the first song will be number 991. 991. This is my father's world.
Next song will be 742. 742. When upon that village you are tempted, tossed, when you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. Count your blessings, name
my wife threatened me that I mentioned that on December the 5th, it's not in the bulletin yet, but December the 5th, that's a Sunday, we are having an open house, and we want all of you to come. Now, Jonathan Farr already instructed his class that everybody show up at 2.15. Please don't all of you show up at 2.15, okay? If you do, we'll just have to go single file through the house. But kind of space it out from 2 to 4, and we have some things for you. We want you to stop by and let you know how much we appreciate and love you. Okay. We are thankful, and this whole week, really, gearing up towards Thursday, our national recognition of Thanksgiving. But you and I, as children of God, we have a special, we have a special thought related to that, don't we? We're not just thankful once a year. We don't just gather up our gratitude and drop it on one day. We're thankful all the time. And this text of scripture is powerful in that regard, stressing the things that are important and those things that require our complete attention all the time. Before we start our study, let's pray that God will bless us in that and that he will help us to take in the things that we will learn from this word. Please bow. Our Father in heaven, we are indeed grateful for this first day of the week, for this opportunity, again, to study from your word, to sing these songs of praise, to offer up prayer, to assemble around the table, to remember the death of Jesus, to give of our means in a genuine, heartfelt, prepared sort of way. Lord, help everything that we do in regard to our worship come directly from and as we're joined together in these endeavors, I pray that we'll be strengthened as a body, that as, as we participate with one another, we will instruct one another in that regard. And now, Father, we're looking at your word in its, in its simpleness. I pray that we can take these simple teachings that are filled with so much, I pray that we'll be able to take them, parse them out in our lives, and be the people that you call us to be. We thank you for Jesus who makes all that possible. Help me, Lord, to communicate it and be with those who hear it that they can receive it in spite of my own failings and be able to act on things that they know are right. Lord, thank you for this text that reminds us of the things we ought to always be doing. In Jesus' name, amen. It's true, everything in this text is just filled with, with so much. It's, it's the full extent of everything related to the subjects that are in the text. First Thessalonians 5, 16, 17, 18. Some of the shortest verses in our New Testament scriptures. But emphatic, right? Rejoice always. That's not just rejoice some of the time or when it's convenient. Always rejoice. Pray without ceasing, but not just pray at a specified time or when the mood hits you. Again, it's intense. Do it all the time. Have that mindset about it. And in everything, we're offering thanks. Everything? That's a large scope, right? But today, I think towards us some great opportunity to think especially about God's design for us, His plans, His will, and especially as that relates to our situation with Jesus. It is God's will that we rejoice, that we pray, that we give thanks. And it's in Jesus Christ that we find the optimum experience in all those things. It is Jesus who makes it possible for us to have that sense of rejoicing all the time. And that constancy, desire to pray, and to be in this talkative relationship with God. And to express our thanks, our gratitude for all that befalls us all the time. 
Today, all I want to do is the simplest thing we could do with the text, and that is just break it down and those components. Understanding that what we have to say is the will of God in Christ Jesus for us. So let's rejoice always. Boy, scriptures are full of the encouragement to do that, and we have so many reasons to rejoice in Jesus Christ. Probably when you read that statement, you were reminded of what you find over in Philippians chapter 4, right? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious for anything, but in everything, supplication. He said to let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and then the God of peace will be with you. You, you don't have to be filled with the anxiety of your time when you're trusting in the instruction and the direction of the Lord. You can be anxious for absolutely nothing. And in spite of what you may experience in terms of stresses and anxieties or the temptation to fall into that pit, he says, as we are reminded, rejoice in the Lord, not just some of the time, not just when it's convenient, but always. And again, for emphasis, I will say, Rejoice. Yeah. In Jesus Christ, there are lots of reasons to do that. I think about the spiritual blessings that we find in Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love. Having predestined us to adoption as sons with Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise and the glory of his grace, by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise and the glory of his grace. In him also we've obtained inheritance, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, that we first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Every single spiritual blessing that exists is ours. Is that not indeed reason to rejoice all the time? It isn't like, well, you know, Lord, help me to achieve this blessing. As we have become children of God, as we've obeyed the gospel, every single spiritual blessing made possible through Jesus' sacrifice has come into our hands. We ought always to be walking in the glory of that. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, we find out that he has delivered us from the power of darkness and has conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. But I think of all that Jesus, by virtue of his sacrifice, has made available to us and has heaped upon us spiritually. I can't help but think of the prospect of heaven someday and of the glory that will be enjoyed today. And of, well, of the inheritance that is waiting for us. First Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and following. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, 
who were kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Well, I, I think about eternal life. I think about that someday of heaven, but this text says that those things are secured so long as we're continuing in that relationship with him by virtue of being in Jesus. That inheritance given to us, not just earned, it isn't we've indebted God. No, it is Jesus who's made that possible through his resurrection from the dead. And there, there is every reason through Jesus to do what our text says, to rejoice always. But secondly, we ought to be able to pray without ceasing. give on to all that I possess. And the tax collector staying afar off would not so much as lift up his eyes into heaven, but beat on his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For he who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. The submissive disposition before God. I do not trust myself that I have become so righteous that I don't really need God's favor anymore. That when I come to pray, I'm really only praying with myself. No, no. The Pharisee was, was kicked out of that discussion because of his arrogance in trusting his own righteousness. But there in that setting, the one who was despised amongst all of these other sinners, many people had come to pray for God's favor, but here was a man who wouldn't even lift up his eyes into heaven, but continually beat on his breast as though to punish himself in anguish and grief over sin. Lord, just please be merciful to me. I'm a sinner. Because of Jesus... And our recognition of what actually put him on that cross, our sin. And then the fact that even against our own will often, against our best understanding of what we should do, we commit sin. We, we recognize our frailty, our, our inability to save ourselves. And we ought to have that same disposition of heart to fall before God. In submission to him. But I'll tell you also. When we go to pray. We also demonstrate. I guess. Like a better word of saying it. Just an expectation. Okay you know Lord. I'm, I'm humbling myself. I'm, I'm submitting myself to you. But in that. I am saying. Okay. I, I, I need you. I'm a dependent. Jesus. 
demonstrated submission and expectation in the garden. Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. He said, not, not as I will, but as, as you will. Two things, right? Not my will. I, I'm saying that so I submit to you. But secondarily, there's expectation of what will be. So I'm going to do what is your will. I'm going to put myself there. James described it this way uh, in James chapter 1, beginning verse 5. He said, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. He gives to all men liberally without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose he'll receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. You say, well, can I have expectation, right? I, I know that when I go to God, I, I can expect that he's going to respond to me. Matthew chapter 21, verse 22. You pray it, you believe it, you receive it. I, I got that. Yeah, but there is that caveat from 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. Yeah, we ask it, but that text really gives us the meaning of that other passage from Matthew 21. And that is that we ask it according to his will. And he hears us. It should go without saying that the expectations that I have of God are not selfish in nature. But they have the desired effect not only of God's will being done, but of my stepping into God's will and seeing the fulfillment through some activity or some event. I am begging God, yes. I am recognizing my own frailty, yes, of course. But in expectation of an outcome, I'm also recognizing that God is framing that fulfillment within, within the description of his will. So I'm submitting myself to that will. And then as I ask, I have the expectation he will hear it according to his will. And then I know that oftentimes our prayer demonstrates our sense of urgency. That is, when I pray, you know, the reason I'm praying this thing is because it's a matter right now. It is something that's of interest to me in this moment. And Lord, I'm just begging you, please, been there? Maybe you weren't used those very words. Lord, I, I beg you. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 7, Jesus talking about prayer, said that we're not to be offering up vain repetition like the heathen do, so they think that they will be heard for their many words. To offer up vain repetition means to offer up something that effectively is useless. I, I have no purpose in it. I, I'm just kind of going through the motions with my prayer. Okay, you say, Ken, that's, that's not it. I, I feel urgently that this thing that I'm petitioning God with regard to, that's a, that's a major item in my life. Lord, help me. Well, the sense of that urgency, uh, we have every confidence that carries itself to the throne of God. There are a couple of different examples in the scriptures of that sense of urgency or an attitude of persistence before God is demonstrated. One is in Luke chapter 11, verses 5 to 9. And this is that scenario where Jesus kind of puts it on us. He says, you know, if you're that guy that has a visitor come at midnight and you don't have the right provisions, then you go to a friend. You know, you knock on his door. You're after three loaves of bread. But wait a minute, this guy came at midnight and my friend, he's in the bed. And in fact, he calls out from the house, listen, forget it, you know, let's just wait till tomorrow. Because I'm in the bed, the kids are in the bed, the door's shut, just forget it. But he says, if you will persist, my friend would come out there and help you. That's right. The persistence, the, the continuance in it. This is urgent. Help me. Of course you would if it were your friend. The other scenario that he describes is in Luke 18. It actually takes up the first eight verses because it has the description and then the fulfillment as pertains to God. But in that scenario, you've got a widow who is being afflicted. You know, she has an adversary who's taking advantage of her. So she goes to the judge. The judge doesn't respect people. He has no regard for God. He just doesn't care. He's all about himself. 
It seems like he wouldn't care at all, except that this woman is persistent. She just keeps coming. And the judge is like, you know what? This woman isn't going to stop. She's going to wear me out until I answer her. So you know what? I'm going to give her what she wants. Now, if a judge who didn't care about anything, didn't care about man nor God, if he would take care of that, how much more would your father who loves you take care of you? There is a sense of urgency, right, in the life that we live. I don't know if it's our health or it's the grander themes of our time. We go to God and we beg Him. And I'm not so sure that the sense of persistence or urgency has to do with getting God's attention. God already knows, right? And we're striving to approach Him within the framework of His will. So it seems like it will be a slam dunk. It seems like it will be something so easily fulfilled. And yet, the sense of persistence probably tells us more about ourselves and our willingness to trust God for the outcome than it does about God to begin with. Okay, so I'm going to rejoice always. I'm going to pray without ceasing. And in everything, I'm going to give thanks. Now, I mentioned that to you in the beginning. In everything we we'll give thanks? I mean, kid, that's a huge scope. I, I don't even know everything that I should. Should I really do this? The song in the cage, and you know, just try to count every blessing because I'll be honest, the older I get, the higher the pile of blessings mounts. And so how could I how can I be thankful for uh, okay? It is a disposition of heart. It is a it is a sense of the blessings that God brings into our life. It is, it is a, a disposition that when that blessing comes, I'm immediately recognizing God for it. I'm filled with gratitude, not once a year, not occasionally, but I recognize that everything that comes, comes as a result of my relationship with God that's made through Jesus Christ. So I was just thinking, since, since when we come together on the first day of the week, we're coming together in recognition of Jesus. We just sang about looking at Jesus and learning more and more about Jesus. Surely the thing that really drives our sense of thanksgiving, the thing that is always on our lips, is the recognition of the, of the suffering of Jesus. And I recognize that within the realm of Jesus' suffering, there are some things I'm really thankful for. <clears throat> I'm thankful, for instance, for the innocence with which Jesus suffered. Let's make it personal. You just put yourself here. I'm thankful for the way he innocently suffered for, for my sin, sin I committed. I say I'm thankful for that because, you know, Jesus was without sin. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. He experienced every temptation in form, yet without sin. For us, that would be laughable, right? We experience temptations and so often overcome by it. But there's Jesus. Jesus innocent of every charge, yet bearing the sin of every person on that cross, the perfect sacrifice. I know that, I know that Jesus, he suffered completely. And that is, the suffering that he experienced took, took everything, right? It wasn't just was it just form, a form of something? Was it a, a, a sense of, well, you know, just kind of going to act through this, just kind of going to go through the motions? Not with Jesus. Jesus gave up everything in order to suffer for us. In First Peter chapter 2, beginning verse 21, it says, For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Who, when he suffered, did not 
when he reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we having died to sin might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. The sacrifice of Jesus didn't just, just take care of some of the problem. Jesus relieved the pressure of sin and its subsequent punishment of eternal separation from God. When Jesus shed his blood, he made available eternal life for all of us. A complete sacrifice. Not only did he do it innocently and completely, he did it knowingly. In the book of Luke chapter 9 and verse 22, Jesus is foreshadowing this. In fact, this is one of two times in the book of Luke that Jesus pinpoints the events that are coming. And he says, it is absolutely true that the Son of Man is going to suffer. And here's what's going to happen. He is going to be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes. In other words, Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, he is going to be rejected by those who should have known better. The religious elite of his time. He says, I'm going to suffer in the sense that I'm going to be rejected by all of those who should have known better. And then I'm going to die. I'm going to be killed, but then I'm also going to be raised the third day. So there is Jesus knowing that he is going to die, and yet again trusting God for the outcome in terms of his resurrection from the dead. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 23, as the gospel is being preached for the first time on the day of Pentecost, Peter doesn't mince words about that. Yes, you are responsible for taking the Son of God, for crucifying and putting him to death. But I want you to know that it was according to the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God that these things happened. Jesus knowingly suffered on our behalf. Oh, we ought to be thankful. And then Jesus victoriously suffered on our behalf. In Romans chapter 6, beginning verse 3, Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the death of the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that the old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Verse 7, for he who died has been freed from sin. A little bit later in this chapter, verses 17 and 18, but God, we think that though you were slaves of sin, Yet you've obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which were delivered, and having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. But what kind of slave can say this later in this book, Romans chapter 8, beginning verse 14? For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you do not, for you do not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God and of children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, and that indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Okay, there it is. You have submitted yourself. You die. You're buried right here in this water. Right here. We're being reminded of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You plunge into that water, into the death of Jesus. The blood of Jesus washes those sins away. You rise up in newness of life. You become an heir of God. Not a slave or one put into some kind of submission, but recognized as a son of God. Not a slave to sin anymore, but having been set free. Listen, on days like today, I can't help but think about God's will. God's will for us. God's will that we be a people who rejoice always. Who are in such a relationship with God that, 
that we pray continually and that our thanks, our thanks is offered up in the same way, in everything, giving thanks to God. But all that's made possible, not because we're so good, but because Jesus is good. Because Jesus made access to the Father through dying on the cross for you and for me. So today, if you're a child of God, you, you ought to be grateful. You ought to be filled with such thanksgiving. But but if you're that child of God and, you know, just kind of going through those things, uh, I can, I don't know, rejoice always? I don't know. Not really feeling that. Think of Jesus. Can I don't know praying always? I'm very, you know, very slack about my prayer life. Thank you, Jesus. Can I, you know, I'm thankful for some things, but there's a lot in my life I regret or I just, listen, will you think of Jesus? Will you think of Jesus and in response to that, recognize the blessings that abound spiritually for you and rejoice always, prayer without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. Because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Can't do that? Then today's the day to change it, to make it different, a different outcome, a different expectation. Whatever it is that's standing in the way, give it over to Jesus. You're the child of God. You had that confidence once before. Let's renew that, okay? But maybe you're not a child of God today. All that we've talked about here and the experience, the joy and service to God can be yours. Through that transition from death and sin to life in Christ Jesus. That's all made through obedience to the gospel. So today, if you believe he's the son of God and that God raised him from the dead, if you're ready to confess that faith before this number, having repented of your sins, turn your back on sin in the world, and you are giving it over to Jesus. Today, you can be buried in that water right there, buried with Christ. The old man of sin will be left behind, and you will rise in newness of life. And all of these grand things will be yours. If there's anybody who needs to respond for any reason this morning, now is your opportunity. Why don't you come if you need to while we stand and sing together? Happy
give that portion for yours and very much why you set aside for you to do so. Would you bow with me? Dear Lord, we thank you for the many blessings and the many opportunities you bless us with throughout our lives. We thank you that we are able to give back unto these and the Lord is ours and help us always do it the cheerful manner and with the right heart and mindset, Lord. In Christ's name I pray. Six in worship this morning. I did not have any extra announcements given to me, but we always do for the benefit of those that may still be watching at home. I'll go over those in the bulletin, but do remember those that are in the prayer list over the bulletin and be mindful of those people. Uh, Reminder one devotion of Landmark Nursing Home and Rehab is today at 4 o'clock. Zion's Rest is in charge today. If you're willing to help this ministry, see Doug Smith or Jim Estes. Also, there's correction that needs to be made in the bulletin. There will be an elders, deacons, and ministers meeting today at 2 o'clock. That will be held in the annex, not the little chapel. So be sure you make note of that if you're a part of that meeting. If you'd like to contribute to the bottom of expenses, there's a box in the foyer. Just one correction on the uh, nursing home. Zion Rest will be in charge on the fourth Sunday. We're in charge today. If you'd like to contribute to the bonds expenses, there's a box in the foyer for donations. Please make checks payable to the Boonville Church of Christ and note for bonds. Also today, last the leader's song leading and song of praise will meet in the attack following morning service. Bible Bowl will meet at 415 and downstairs in the conference room. Also the last leader Wednesday, the gifts at 545 p.m. in room 106 is for all girls. 6th through 12th grade, you do not have to be a lab leader participant to attend this event. And also remember this week, midweek service will be our Thanksgiving service on Tuesday evening at 7 o'clock. We will have a high supper in the annex. I think Ken mentioned that once or twice this morning already. I think he's excited about some pies. Everyone is invited to bring dessert or savory pies and enjoy this time together. Also, Salt Team 4 is asked to help clean up afterwards. Also, the Ladies' Ornament Exchange is set for December the 2nd at 5.30 p.m. at the home of Brandon and Rebecca Elliott. All ladies are invited to bring an ornament to exchange and your favorite holiday favorite food. That's all the announcements I have. If you battle with me, I'll give this as a prayer. Heavenly Father, once again, we're so thankful for the opportunity we've had to come and worship you with song and praise. Father, as we come about approaching the week that has always been set aside to recognize Thanksgiving. Father, help us to all be mindful and take the time to realize all those blessings that we have that we should be thankful for. Father, we thank you so much for your church here at Google, for its elders, its preachers, its teachers, and help us to be mindful of one another as we go out this upcoming week. Father, we have many of our number that are sick and scheduled for upcoming surgeries and treatments. We ask you to comfort them as only you can. Most of all, Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus, who died on the cross, that we might have forgiven for sins and opportunity of home and heaven will be one day. It's through his precious name we pray. Amen.